You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Uta Beer Podcast. My name is Raj Benz. I am your host. Joining me is Rory Benson. Rory, how are you? I'm, I'm excellent, thank you. How are you today? Very fine, thank you very much. Obviously, it's been a, a nice post-Manchester United week, uh, but the game's come thick and fast in the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool well, up Until next. an international break next Until week, the international break, yeah. Well, everyone's looking forward to that, I'm sure. Aaron Moy definitely with his round trip to Honduras and back. But we'll we'll cross that body of water when we come to it. Um, if we start with club news, I think the biggest piece of club news is what, one that we sort of knew about but have had confirmed now because there was sort of suggestions on whether or not he needed it, surgery or not. But Philip Billing's out for three months, um, which isn't great. Uh, how do you think that's going to affect the, the team and the squad? I think it probably will affect them more now because we saw the 4-3-3 work really well. Um, obviously, he, he's played a lot of games already and, and he's a crucial member of that town squad. But now that David Wagner has f- sort of shown that he can change his 4-2-3-1 system to a 4-3-3, you need three central midfielders for that. And if you know he, if Jonathan Hogg, um, Danny Williams or Aaron Moy get injured, it means that you're now looking at sort of Dean Whitehead as, as the next man in the central midfield. Possibly Martin Craney is, is a, a further back up to that. So Phil Billing, you know, he's going to be a loss if there's another injury. He still is a loss already, don't get me wrong. But if there is another injury, it looks like David Wagner will have to go back to the four-two-three-one, or he'll have to put some faith in in players who haven't really played at all this season yet. I think it puts the biggest stress on Aaron Moy, obviously. And we just joked about him having to go to Honduras and that. But the reason Billing started the Swansea game is because Aaron Moy was knackered having been in the last international break. So it's unfortunate that sort of one of the two real deep line playmaking players we have are injured significantly for a, a, a good chunk of time because that really means that if Aaron Moy gets crocked then town are, are desperately short in that area yeah and I'd add to that that in December the amount of games I think there's the same amount of games in December as, as there are in October and November combined so that's I think it's about eight or nine games in one month. So, you know, Aaron Moy can't, he can't play all of them, physically can't, because it, it, you know, it will inevitably catch up with him. Mm. So you need to be able to rotate. That means that you're going to now have to probably go back to the 4-2-3-1 and, and rotate between Williams, Moy and Jonathan Hogg. There is a case to be made that if Casey Palmer's back this uh, international break that we've already joked about. We joked about that international break. It turns out it's fairly significant. Um, if he comes back, he can play as one of the three in the middle. Yes. Because uh, he's not, he, although he's a natural number 10, he's, it's not beyond his capabilities to drop back and play within a three, especially if he's one of the two forward. So it is a, a case where he could play there. Sabiri as well, who we scored, scored the screamer against uh, Leeds. He'll obviously, he's been out of the side, which is strange. Do you make anything of that? Is he, there's no talk of a knock or anything, but he, he played the first couple of times 
after his arrival and then hasn't been seen since? Is it just a case of him being put up to speed? Yeah, I think so. It takes time to, to bed players into into the team and also into sort of English football in general. Um, he's shown that he's got a, you know the the talents there. He just needs you know that little bit of time. Hopefully, I think last week he was being the system that David Wagner played. I don't think he was really going to get a sniff at a starting role. Um, but there will be games where he'll be called upon this year because he has shown in previous matches that he can unlock defenses. Billin is, a, is an interesting character and this gives us a, a chance to sort of take stock of him in a, a wider context because he's he's going to be missing and he's sort of the main news story of the week. What have you made of his season thus far? Because he, he does split opinion. It's not a split of opinion that I'm particularly fond of because he's one of my favourite town players to watch because he's you know the type of intelligent footballer that sort of ticks the, the boxes for me. I'm the, the type of person that I'd rather watch a Luka Modric play than a, a Gareth Bale, for example. Um, and that's down to individual taste, I understand. Um, but why, where do you sit on the on, on that camp? Is it, is it a case of maybe some inconsistencies in his age are the reason why people don't find him to be as reliable as other players? I think so. Age obviously comes into it. I think there has also been question marks over his sort of desire. I think he's he's gone somewhat to to answer those critics this season I feel like he's put himself around a bit more this year uh, he's you know put 100% effort in as everyone will do in, in playing in the Premier League you want to put the best account of yourself out there and re- he really has done that I feel like he's stepped up it seems like he fits the sort of Premier League mould in a way in a way he's more suited to the Premier League than he is the Championship um, but yeah it, I, I'm on your side of the fence here, I think he's a class player with a class touch. Um, and I think he'll go far. He just needs to keep producing as he has been doing. It's unfortunate that this injury's come where it has, because I, I think he's had a good season so far. Um, but hopefully he can he can re- recapture that form when he comes back uh, in three months' time. Do you not think those, those issues regarding attitude, I think is probably the, the umbrella term for it, is that not down to do... Not, is that not more down, sorry, to maturity than anything else? Given his age, given the fact that you know it can't be easy coming from a smallish club in Denmark to another small club in Huddersfield after what when you're 16 years old on your own, that's a big adjustment to make. It may just be a case that you know he finds it difficult to to motivate himself every game because he's not had a a complete run in the team he's either been injured as he's playing well or he's been taken out of the side because other players are in better form than he is he's not really had 10 to 20 consistent games back to back to really bed himself in like other players may have been afforded possibly but I think if you're in and out of the team that should motivate you even more because you want to start every game that's what every footballer wants to do Um, I don't know I, I think Personally, I don't see it as an attitude problem for him. I just, I think no. that's just the sort of player that he is. I think he's, personally, I, I think he's more of an advanced midfielder. I, I could see him playing the number ten role for Town. Uh, I think we've mentioned it in a previous podcast that we do believe he's got the the sort of skill set to play there. Mm. And I, I, I think possibly he, he's played a lot next to Jonathan Hogg, which probably doesn't help because Jonathan Hogg runs all over the place all the time. Yeah. Um, I just think he's more of a he is that playmaker rather than someone who's going to buzz around and make things happen in in that sort of way. It, in a way, it's kind of 
although they're, they're very different players, it's kind of John Joe Shelby-esque in that Shelby doesn't move around the pitch that much, but he brings other qualities. Obviously, him and Billing have completely different qualities, but that's the sort of... I think Billing, with the touch and the range of passing that he's got, moving around the pitch doesn't isn't one of the bigger parts of his game compared to you know, the likes of Jonathan Hogg and, and Danny Williams as well, and, and to probably a lesser extent, Aaron Moy. It's an interesting comparison. I, I, I see the parallels. I think he's a, a more restrained player than Chelsea is. I think there's, yeah. there's a... Yeah, I think different different players, but I think similar in terms of, of movement on the pitch, then, like if you if you looked at their, at their heat map or something at the end of the game, it could be pretty similar because they play in similar positions for the teams. And, you know, I think... Both of them have vision. Yeah. Um, By extension, you can compare them to. I think the the top top class players in the position are you, Javi's Javi Alonso. Yeah, exactly. Pirlo is probably the, the yeah. peak version. Is you know they're not players who often spend much time outside of the centre circle, but they run a game regardless. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what we're going to do now is we're recording this section before the press conference. We're going to drop in a section now after the press conference, so it's going to be a bit of a time jump like Back to the Future, but by the miracle of editing, it should be seamless. And then when you hear from us in this timeline again after that one, when we reintroduce ourselves, it's like Inception, um, we'll be talking about Liverpool. And here we are on the other timeline, in the future, in the past, I'm not quite sure. We're as confused as you are. somewhere in your TARDIS. <laughs> uh, well, Doctor Who is from Huddersfield. Um, yes, that's that's correct. I'm well not, not quite Jodie Whittaker. I'm sure you'd much prefer talking to her, but anyone, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I deserve that one. Yeah. Right. Anyway, David Wagner press conference. Yeah. How was he feeling after that Man United win? Yeah, on a high. Uh, he did say it was actually just a bit of an, an ordinary re- week that they've just had, though. Um, I think the buzz of the weekend sort of wore off, and although Danny Williams, also, who was also at the press conference, said. Um, that there's still been the buzz around a little bit. It's, you know, back to work, back to the training ground um, and back to sort of the analysis. Uh, he did say that he didn't need as much analysis this week because obviously he knows Jurgen Klopp, knows his style of football. So um, he said it was the first time that he wouldn't have to rely on the video department and they would have to rely on him sometimes. So, no, he was, he was in, in good spirit. Um, obviously, the win against Man United... Was, is going to do that to you and, and playing your, your best friend at the weekend also should uh, put a bit of a spring in your step so no it was good um, he was on good form and, and Danny Williams as well was pretty pumped and, and looking forward to the weekend On a scale of zero to tedious how were the Klopp questions? Um, there was a multitude of them <laughs> probably five, six questions out of it was a relatively short press conference today because of Town's double training schedule that they had today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about five or six questions out of about 12 to 15. So right. Half of it. Half, <laughs> half to a third of it. Did we learn anything new? No. I mean, not to plug Sky Sports here, but if you watch the Hearts and Minds programme that they, they put up, it was Good pretty point. much over that. It was everything like that they'd mentioned in there, they just said again, so... Mm. You know, it was uh, slightly tedious, but you know that's what you get with Premier League, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, 
it's usually a problem, but given this week, as I said before, it's, yeah, it let them off a bit. Yeah, and it's the easy line, isn't it? It's the one that I'm surprised it's not on TV because I'm sky. I'm really surprised. Wet really themselves at being able to put together that montage. Yeah, well, they did that one. The one program I thought they'd do like a whole big thing on it and have it as a Sunday. Uh, a so- uh, sorry, Super Sunday is what I'm trying to say. Um, you got there eventually. Sort of <laughs> um, what else did he have to say for himself? There's injury updates on Kachunga, who is fit, his back problem's not going to keep him out. Um, Kwana's back as well, which is joy to my ears. I love Colin Kwana. Everyone loves Colin Kwana. Um, and what else did he say? Casey Palmer's on course to be back after the international break. That's important. Uh, that is important. And he, he mentioned... The four three three and the four two three one. He wouldn't be drawn on what he was going to use. Um, he basically said that hopefully, if he doesn't make his mind up to the last minute, then Liverpool won't know what he's going to use and that kind of thing as well. So it'll be the four three three though. I think it'll be the four three three. And also one thing that that he did mention, um, just to touch back on Jurgen Klopp for the zillionth time today, um, he did say that although that's the narrative that people are going down. That's not the story he sees here. He sees the story as being Huddersfield Town in the Premier League, playing against the likes of Liverpool, who obviously dominated English football for such a long period of time. How complimentary of him was he of his friend? Was he because I mean Liverpool aren't playing the greatest football in the world at the moment? I think he, yeah. he touched on the fact that they weren't great against Tottenham and that. Yeah, he said that the game against Tottenham that he saw was probably the the only time this season that they didn't hit sort of what you expect Liverpool to hit. Um, but he said they've had some. He's had some problem. They've had some problems defensively as well. Touched on that, but wouldn't again. Wouldn't get drawn about how he was going to try and look to sort of capitalise on that or anything. So it was um, point and laugh at Dejan Lovren. Well, possibly, but we don't think he's <laughs> going to play, do we? So I don't know. He was. He was. He thinks Liverpool have been playing well apart from Tottenham, um, and he was a bit cagey about how he would like to. To go about, you know, setting about Liverpool, but um, that's to be expected, and that's like most weeks, isn't it? Really, the sort of having Kachunga back—that's a strange one because he didn't really draw too much on what was wrong with his back, whether that's an existing back injury, if it was a new thing or not. It was a strange substitution at the time. I expected more to be made of it, but it was sort of just a, a comment in passing, which I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, I think it was just something. I don't know if he picked it up on the day. A bit or not, of DP but set him right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, obviously it's, it's only taken him a week to get to get over it. So uh, hopefully, um, it'll be, do you uh, think he'll start? Or we we discuss this later on? Yeah, yeah, because we know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I think it would be easy for David Wagner to to keep him out because he's had this minor injury, and also because Rajiv Van der Parra played very well there. But I won't. I won't spoil the rest of the podcast for for anyone. It's a, wait, is it? Did we talk about this later, or did we talk about this earlier? Later. Okay. You get lost, this is lost in the, the timelines. Yeah, so many timelines. Man, <laughs> yeah. um, he also talked about um, Moss leaving. Yes, he did. Uh, which is an interesting line because the the thing that I pulled out of it was that he said he'd be looking after it. He said that the club are still looking for replacements and everything, which is. Um, sort of the club line but do you think there's any possibility that he will grow his position from head coach to manager no I don't think so I think from what obviously again he didn't go into detail on it because you know the club are looking for replacement and that kind of thing but 
the vibe that I got from David Wagner made it seem as though it was Moss who probably went rather than him being pushed by the club and that right. kind of thing. So David Wagner said, I'll I'll look after it, I'll manage the situation despite how desperate we are to despite if we are desperate to um to bring someone back in. So I think we'll see someone else through the door at some point. Um and to be honest, I think that's what I think that's what suits David Wagner, although obviously you need a say in, in recruitment and that kind of thing. I think his qualities as a coach shouldn't be underestimated and as much time as you can give him on the training ground is only going to benefit the club rather than him having to sit in his office and phone agents and that kind of thing. I think just taking that away from him and look what it's done in the past as well. Like It's proven to work, so why would you uh, steer away from that? I think they should bid for Messi. And I think that would be my, yeah. my suggestion. Dane Hall's got the money after selling Card Factory. 350 million, that should do it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I think I think that would probably just about get it. But then Dean Hall would then end up having to sell the club, wouldn't he? Unfortunately. But you'd have Messi, wouldn't you'd you? So? You'd sell a fair few shirts, I think. Do, they don't have any though. <laughs> That's also a good point. <laughs> I can imagine it's bad enough if they did bring him. Sorry, lads, we've run out of M's. Um, the Danny Williams. If we move on to him, he was quite impressive. But you say he's quieter than you expected him to be. Yeah, I I guess just judging by his demeanour on the pitch, not only the way he plays, but you know, you can see him shouting on the pitch. Um you saw it when he played for Reading in the playoff final. He he led that team. He was, you know, a, a captain figure in the centre of the park. Um But yeah, and then you and you talk to him and he's got a German accent, he's very softly spoken, very, very quiet. Um so still had enough to say for himself, but wasn't the He's not like Zank, who's a bit larger than life. He he was much more... Or Hef. Or, or Hef, yeah. He was much more um, withdrawn, very thoughtful about what he said. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very honest as well. He said he appreciated David Wagner's honesty, and you can tell that that's something that he holds you know, pretty dear to himself because I think he did say that he wasn't at 100% after his injury last week. Uh, he said he's feeling like he's getting towards 100% now, but maybe still isn't. Um, so yeah, it was, it was refreshing to see a player being so open and honest, and um, yeah, and, and one that's obviously enjoying their time in West Yorkshire as well. He seems to have um, picked up on all the the right things from his time at the club because he echoes a lot of things that the manager says, and you can tell when the players speak who's really bought into David Wagner's methods and sort of the ethos of the club at present when they sort of echo that sort of thing you can tell when somebody's just saying it because they have to say it and when yeah. somebody's saying it because they actually believe in it and think they're benefiting from mm-hmm. it and he definitely seemed as if he was in the latter camp definitely definitely in that category you know he he speaks again in this age of football you get a lot of players and a lot of managers as well who are PR trained I mean they all are um, but he seemed to really understand the philosophy and it wasn't like sound bites to tick boxes it was very much like you know, this is what we believe, this is what I believe, it's what the manager believes and it's, you know, what the club believes and it's what's, you know, done them well going forward and it's nice to see he's bought into that, especially, you know, pretty quickly. He joined in July, didn't he? Not It wasn't an early move. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good to see him enjoying, enjoying Huddersfield Town but also understanding what the club is about. He spoke about the community aspect of it as well. So uh, no, yeah, was, David Wagner talked about the firework event and stuff. He did, he? yeah. He said 
he said, you know, they're professional footballers, but they're still part of the community and they aim to give back to the community in whatever way possible. Because um, I know he, he said thinks, they're still people, and yeah. he said, you know, he, he likes fireworks and his, his, <laughs> his family like fireworks, so they went to go and see them. And he's been uh, slightly touchy in the past about um, the openness of Canal Side. It's not something he's completely against, but he is very much of the opinion that the professional football should be kept separate to the yeah. Nanwiches. Um, which I think is only. On I don't the, think anything should be <laughs> separate from a sandwich, especially your mouth. Yeah, um, exactly. But um, you know they've renovated the backside of Canal Side, if that's an appropriate sentence. Um, but you know that that massive. Have you ever been? Have you ever been in the the rear of the training ground? <laughs> it's not getting any better. But yeah, um, yeah, we. They used to have the press com- the, at the beginning of the season. They had to shift where the press conferences happened. Okay, so. We used to have to walk through to the back and yeah. into like a, it was like a portable office space. Oh uh, right, so they had one porta cabins. Yeah, pretty much. But but where it was, it was a, it was a classroom for the younger sort of players hmm. to understand their position on the pitch and that kind of thing. So That's actually what David Wagner did with the first team when he first came, and he gave them theory based lessons. Of yeah, how to that learn. that that would have been where. They've done them. <laughs> but now they've got. This new space, which is uh, dedicated to uh, to press conferences, yeah. So um, that's interesting, but yeah, he, he personally oversaw the sort of redevelopment of yeah. that. So because it used to essentially be the the groundsman shed full of yeah, equipment, yeah. it and just means now anyone in the public, I don't think they can go out no, no, to the no. back to see them train. Because I know David Wagner on Fridays he does a a tactical training session where he'll have one team set up like yeah. the other team, and the first team who are the players that will play, you know, that to to show them how it's going to work, sort of the day. It's like a captain's game. run in rugby, essentially. Yes, uh, where they run through sort of systems and yeah. combinations and things, which is makes sense. Another thing that we haven't really touched on, but um, was mentioned in the in the uh, analysis of the Manchester United game. If I try and get my words out, um, I can't remember who it was that said it. It might have actually been Zanker. I'm not sure, but. Um, David Wagner told them to break the game down into five-minute segments, which is an interesting insight into sort of how he tries to prepare them psychologically, psychologically for games like that, and sort of the way in which he gets his ideas across, sort mm. of take it in bite-sized chunks so that it doesn't feel like it's a a mammoth task. But you know, every five minutes that goes by is another one won and, and all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, no, I I can see why he does it, and I think that shows in in. In the press conference today, he said, "You know, we can't beat." He said, "Pretty straight up, Liverpool have better players than us, but we can beat them in other areas. So, in terms of determination, um, you know, desire, tackling, and stuff like that, the stuff which doesn't require maybe a level of technical skill which they don't have, but Liverpool do." And that I think that reflects in breaking it down into small parts as well. So you break it down into small parts, as in desire determination all these things as well as in time as well so you know if, if you go through a game say take Danny Williams who we've been speaking about if if he can win 60% of his five minutes and 60% of the other aspects of it you're putting yourself in a good position and if all the rest of the team do that you know nine times out of ten you're probably going to win the game yeah I agree it's a, it's a good way of sort of managing the sort of load ahead of them yeah exactly 
And if we talk about Liverpool now, um, we're back in this timeline. You, you, you won't have noticed that. Cheers, Doc. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, you can't be Martin McFly, because that's... Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not amused with this situation. But if we, if we talk about another team that probably aren't amused with their situation, it's Liverpool. Um, they seem quite vulnerable at the moment. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, defensively, they're all over the place. Um Obviously, they played against Tottenham, who were a very good team last last time out, but it was just simple errors. In in a way, it, it's to a greater extent than what Town were doing earlier in that it was individual errors that were costing them, but it seems to be costing Liverpool more or less weekly now. Yeah. Um, obviously, they smashed Maribor. Town would beat Maribor. But yeah, I think they're probably... Town would beat Maribor. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and I think... You know, they just they put all their eggs in one basket in signing Virgil van Dijk and it just didn't happen. Um and they obviously didn't bring anyone else in and Lovren has had back injuries and stuff like that, but it's just not really looked at the races this season. Yeah, it's it's strange because um there are some parallels between their performance against Tottenham and, and Huddersfield. Um I think theirs is far more worrying because with all due respect, I think they've got loftier ambitions than, than oh, yeah. Yeah, Huddersfield yeah, in their system. Um, and it's, you know, for Huddersfield to be beaten 4 0 by Tottenham playing well is far different than Liverpool being beaten by Tottenham at half pace. And it's a Wembley as well, so Tottenham are even better away from home than they are uh, in their temporary accommodation, if you will. Um, what do you think the mentality of Liverpool will be like going into this game? Is it going to be people often say, oh, they'll, they want to bounce back and show people they're at it and whatnot, but. Is there going to be some fear there? Is there still some sort of tenderness you know, with their fragile mind state? Because they're, they're clearly not all you know, as cohesive as they should be. I think, I think the negativity, although, although on the day that there won't be that much negativity, but I think that'll come from the, f- the fans in the build-up to it. Um, obviously, the fans aren't very happy with the, the last result against Tottenham and they, you know not thrilled with the defensive efforts so far this season. But I think on the day, you know, what Jurgen Klopp does well is motivate players. Uh, he also obviously brought in this system, which I guess town fans are, you know, reasonably familiar with. Um, but he can really, really motivate players. So I don't, especially coming up against, you know, best friend and best man, David Wagner, I don't think, I don't think any of the Liverpool players will have any worries in their mind. I don't think any of the town players will have any worries in their minds either. Um, and to be honest, I'm looking forward to a cracking game because I think it's going to be a, a good one. The whole Klopp versus Wagner thing is something that has uh, in the past denied me because I think it's been brought up when not appropriate. I think yeah. the whole best mates, Wagner's yeah. just... It's a, it's a well-trudged narrative, isn't it? Yeah, and the fact that people are still doing it is, you know, you can tell the person who's not seen much of Huddersfield Town if their introduction includes Jurgen Klopp's name yeah. this week is a bad example because obviously that is the narrative if there's any week where it's inexcusable where it's excusable sorry it's this one because obviously that's the, yeah. the natural entry into the game I actually think it's quite interesting in terms of how they are going to go into it because David Wagner showed a certain degree of pragmatism against Manchester United um, but against his best mate I think there's going to be a temptation to go for it and I think Jurgen Klopp is set up exactly the same way mentally if you think of the way that 
you know, if you play your mate on FIFA or you, you know, a sibling or something, there's a rivalry there. Four two four immediately. Yeah, and exactly. The, there's the same thing with um, with these two because they're that close. It's not going to be case of they're happy with a draw. If anything, they'll want to win this game more than any other because next time they have a beer, they want to be able to say to their mate, "Do you remember that time we came to Anfield and beat you and whatnot?" Do you think that's going to feed into or not? Because there's a, in the back of my mind, I can see this being. Three, four, four, five, something daft like that. I, I can see where you're coming from, and and if it was me, I'd do everything in my power to win the game. But being the Premier League, both managers are going to do that anyway. Um, David Wagner will go to Liverpool, thinking that he can get a point, possibly even three. Jurgen Klopp will, will obviously be going for three points at home. I don't think for either of the managers it'll make it any different that they're coming up against against their best friend because it's football is a results business and it's also it is a job before anything else and you know as as much as you do want to get one up on against your mate you want the three points more than that you want you know i i can see where you're coming from and i agree that there's going to be goals in the game but i don't think it makes it any different for the managers in terms of preparation and in terms of getting their team up for it on the day I think it should be business as usual for both of them. Yeah, and obviously for the town players, they'll they'll care less that it's their manager's best mate, and they'll care more that it's their first time going to Anfield. And oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Anfield is a, is a great ground to to go to. It's you know the fans are right unless on you're top in the way, unless you're in the away end where that the roof cuts off half the pitch for you. Is it? Yeah, uh, I was quite low down when I was in the way end there, so I could. See yeah, if you sit anywhere towards halfway to the back of that away end, uh, as it was the last time I was there, um, it's built in such a way that the roof overhangs the pitch and it cuts off the other goal. So if something's happening down one end, you literally can't see it. It's a terrible design, but it's an iconic stadium, regardless. Yeah, iconic stadium. Fans are on top of you. The atmosphere is always brilliant. So you know, I don't think Town will need any geeing up from David Wagner, although he'll obviously do his best to. But when, when they step out onto that turf and, and the crowd are, are singing and you know and you never walk alone is being played and that kind of thing, it's, you know... It'll almost be as good as a John Smith. Almost, not quite though. Um, Liverpool, if I've been serious, do have three threats up top. Uh, not small yeah. ones either. Uh, that's why, even though they are comical in defence, they still have threat um, interestingly interestingly they've not they've scored less goals by this point this season than they did last season yeah they're not taking as many chances as not they taking them no despite Mo Salah like you, yeah Mohamed Salah they've yeah. got on the right Coutinho on the left Firmino in the middle uh, it's not a bad attack to have yeah and uh, you've, you've taken Sadio Mane out of that already so it's just it was probably the best out of all of them yeah definitely in all honesty um why they didn't take 150 million for Philippe Coutinho and reinvest that in a proper defensive midfield and defender, I never know because they'd be a better team for it. But town are better off that they didn't because uh, it's probably easier to defend against him than it is to not don't score against the. Don't say that. He's going to ping one in for 40 yeah. yards now, isn't he? <laughs> um, moving on swiftly. Apologies if that does happen. Uh, touch what it doesn't. But how do you see town coping with? that sort of a front line because we saw Lukaku come and be completely nullified. He had Anthony, Anthony Martial, Jesse Lingard on, second half, Mkhitaryan, doesn't matter even in the first half as well, Mkhitaryan, Rashford. Rashford was slightly more dangerous because the pace, he was 
the way he runs at players is, is fearless. It's almost the sort of naivety of youth. He was the only real dangerous Manchester United player. Their goal came from the probably the only time that, my, that um, Lukaku got in behind properly, and that was only because they managed to actually turn the ball over quickly for once, which they just won't be able to do. How do you see Town coping with that that forward line? It's, it's going to be interesting, and I think, as you said, the pace of Marcus Rashford. Although it didn't cause problems, that was where the threat was going to come from, really. Yeah. Uh, and and the the goal really came from Lukaku, Lukaku's pace and getting to the ball with that, before the ball got into the byline, yeah. sort of thing. So I think Mo Salah's going to be the the big one. He's got absolute pace to burn. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it, especially if he because they like they're so fluid Liverpool's front line that you know he could pop up on the left or the right and if he starts getting joy against Smith or or Lerva whichever one you know he he'll just continue to hammer you and and Liverpool will look to try and turn over the ball and get it to him as quick as possible and just let him go so it'll it'll be interesting to see i think it, it it's a difficult one because when someone's got pace you don't want to play too high a line because you know if they get behind you you're done basically because they can they're quick enough to get to the ball before the keeper and, and do whatever but you don't want to drop back and invite Liverpool onto you because they've got players like Philippe Coutinho um and and Firmino who you know have skill on the ball and can move the ball quickly and pass players so personally I don't know how you would do it I'd I'd rather play a, a higher line and try and like they did last week, keep Jonathan Hogg slightly in front of the back four and just try and close down as much of the space as possible, push their team so that, push themselves together so the, the forward's not massively up the pitch, but the defence, you know, just squeeze the space in, in between the lines, you know, do what town do and press the ball as quickly as possible, try and turn it over, you know, when Coutinho gets a foot on the ball, get into him quickly like they did it showed at Crystal Palace first game of the season whenever Wilfred Zaha got on the ball they didn't foul him but they just pressed him and pressed him into giving the ball away occasionally there was a foul in there obviously but you know that's just going to happen in in football so that's going to be the way they're going to do it it's very much easier to say than it is to do against that caliber of player it was interesting um how Tottenham dealt with Salah, because it was one of, even though he scored, it was one of the quieter games he's had. Yeah. They played a right footer at left back because of his tendency to cut inside, and Pochettino explained it because he said, if we have a player who's coming into his strong side rather than his weak side, it helps us um, sort of nullify that threat of him when he comes in towards goal on the diagonal. Christopher Lever's not likely to lose his place on the left. Obviously, I'm not suggesting the same trick is done. But it's a it's food for thought for town to be aware of the fact that both wide men are inverted essentially and will yeah. be coming into their strong side because Coutinho's right foot plays on the left, so left foot plays on the right want to sort of be on their strong side and shift that way. So it's going to be one where they both the central defender has to be aware of that coming in on his on his inside shoulder and the fullback has to be aware. And it's more about showing him down the line than anything else. That I think that's why. Jonathan Hogg's going to be very important because the role that he played against Man United and I, I expect Town to sort of play the 4-3-3 again rather than the 4-2-3-1 because yeah. it works so well and I think away from home as well it, it, it's a more solid system you can't really change a team after you beat Manchester United no exactly and I think what Jonathan Hogg for, for the players coming cutting in from the wings as you were saying if Jonathan Hogg's sitting back 
like pretty much like directly in front of the centre backs. It allows either him to come and cross to come across and try and get a foot in when they do cut inside, or the centre back to sort of move forward and try and cut off that pass and Jonathan Og to slip in behind and sort of just take over that position while they they've left it. So he will be like key to everything Town do defensively. Um, and then hopefully when he wins the ball back, he can give it to the likes of Aaron Moyer and, and Danny Williams and they can make things happen quickly going forward because it's it's going to be a high-tempo game and it's going to be about the transition um, and about who can spring quicker than the other on the day, I think. One thing we'll find out about today in the press conference that we've talked about already uh, in this strange multi-layered podcast across various timelines is the fitness of Elias Kachunga because he went off early against Manchester United I would actually be more tempted even if he is fit to start on the para from the start on the right and uh, not just because he played so well when he came on but defensively he's excellent uh, Tom Hintz on the left same thing with the wingers because I think that's where their main threat comes from Firmino down the middle is a good player very skillful but he doesn't score that many goals and he doesn't create that many chances for himself again Touch wood, I'm not jinxing it here. 2-0 Liverpool, Coutinho, Firmino's happening. Uh, but essentially, if you cut off his supply line and, and don't give him anyone to play into, that's harder. And I think the main way Town do that is by using their wingers as to drop back as they do usually and double-man them and sort of give their full-backs extra protection in the way they do usually, chasing back, covering when needed. Um, and I think the onus is on them perhaps more than ever to, to do that job and in a similar way as you said that they played to Manchester United once the ball's turned over they've got the Poitra who I don't think will be dropped um, who'll be sitting on halfway they can break with pace and use him to hold up the ball if needed play with his back to goal or even chase it down their back line if they're scared the last thing you want is the Poitra hounding you around which he will do so yeah. there is there are chances there for Huddersfield and there is a clear way for them to defend and organise themselves against Liverpool and I think the the Manchester United game proving that they can do so in sort of a, a really uh, sustained and intelligent manner is what is going to help them confidence-wise going into this one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I agree with your point about Rajiv van der Parra. I think... He played exceptionally well when he came on against Manchester United, and I feel like against Liverpool, his pace is going to be the asset that you know is going to be a, a big asset for Town because he can keep up with those sort of players who who might be bombing down the wings, um, especially if he plays in front of in front of Tommy Smith, who's a great defender but not blessed with the rapid pace of of Salah or or Van der Parra even. So he's likely to be playing on the same side as Moreno as well, who. Fairly strong going forward, but positionally is a liability. questionable as well, yeah. So he so. can get in behind him. We saw him take the absolute Michael out of Ashley Young several times and Moreno's in line for a similar sort of treatment if, if Van der Perro's got his head on. Yeah, I, yeah, you completely agree. I, I, I think if if Huddersfield Town can keep a clean sheet, which is a massive if, and you know, I don't think anyone really is expecting to keep a clean sheet, but no one expected them to beat Man United last weekend. But if they if they can keep a clean sheet, I would back Town to win, because I just I can't see the Liverpool team keeping a clean sheet. So it's it's going to be it's in, it's it's really interestingly poised. Not only with the results last weekend, which make it even more intriguing, but just that Liverpool have such a, an unbalanced team in terms of going forward. They're superb 
defensively, they're really shaky. Town's strength is in their defence, but going forward, there's been question marks about the amount of goals that they can score. So I think it's perfectly set up to be a really intriguing game, and it's going to be interesting. And add to that the, the Klopp-Wagner thing, so they know how each other like to play football. So, yeah, it's, it's the match I'm probably most looking forward to this season. The, if we talk about town in an attacking sense for for a minute, because um, we've talked about Liverpool's defensive frailties, but if we actually have a look at how that's going to manifest itself on the day, from what I understand, Lovren isn't going to play. There's, he got hooked after half an hour yeah. uh, against Spurs. Uh, he's obviously got back problems. He's been taking cortisone injections, so he's clearly not fully fit. Uh, he's clearly not fully confident, which is probably a bigger problem than his sore back is. Um, but you can't see him getting back into the team after after that, um, because if anything, his confidence will be even worse than it was previously. Um, what they're likely to do, rather than play Ragnar Klavan, who had the turning circle of a larger lorry, is put Joe Gomez into central defence, which is his natural position, he'd be playing as position. And then he'll play Trent Alexander-Arnold at right-back, who, fairly impressive, but again, a younger player. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a re-shifted Liverpool defence, who haven't been great already, with Joe Matip as their best defender, and he's not the greatest defender in the world. Two young players on the same side, and a left-back who can't defend. There are going to be openings there for Town, as you say. I can't see it keeping a clean sheet, but Town need to be aware of how to attack them. I, I personally think, and it's something I wrote in the head-to-head column, is that Lord Departure should concentrate on being tight and being physical with Joe Gomez if he plays centrally because he's a good player, but he's a young lad and he's never really been tested in that manner, especially being playing out of position at right-back, first game in the centre-back, it's it's not just automatic swapping. So if he does put him under pressure, rattles him a little bit, gets his confidence down, maybe leaves a cheeky boot in early on, uh, not saying anything dirty, but you know, just let him know you're there, make him think twice the next time it's a 50-50. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, especially with how well Tom Ince is carrying the ball. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a fantastic prospect, but again, not the complete product. Um, so there are, there are openings there for town, and it's, it's fascinating that a team as good as Liverpool have such obvious weaknesses, and they have no real remedy for them. It's just something they have to live with until they can recruit, because Klopp hasn't shown the ability to coach his way out of the problem as other people may do. Well, I think that the the difficulty for Liverpool comes that it's not... I don't think it's about the coaching or anything like that. It's just the players that he's got, the actual defensively, the, the players that he has, he's got young guys, and then Lovren, who, you know, who's sort of not been the same since he left Southampton. Yeah. And it's, it's individual errors, so it's nothing that I think Jurgen Klopp's doing wrong. It's just he's been let down by his players pretty regularly. It's and as well, because it's because it's individual errors, it's hard for town to know what to do going forward. Obviously De Poitre has to do everything you said that I agree with, but it's kind of town just have to be ready to take advantage of, of the error because an error will come at some point and you've got to be there to, to be able to take full advantage of it and, and be clinical in front of goal. Also, we haven't touched on the goalkeeping issue at, at Liverpool either. Good point. Loris Carrius has not been the the answer to the questions that they, they had over Simon Mignolet, who's, who's uh, not... Well, it's 
be honest, I don't even know how he moved to Liverpool anyway because he wasn't that great for for Sunderland beforehand. Um, and Danny Ward, we all know what he can do, but will he get a chance in front of those two, especially after the money that they've spent on both of them? And so, he's still, still, even though the heroics he had in the penalty shootout, he's still not the complete product. There's still mistakes in him because he's yeah. still learning his craft. So, I, so I would say, just get shots in as much as possible. <laughs> like, well, you know, you say it; it's kind of like a Sunday league thing, like test the keeper out. Yeah. But that's what you need to do. So, hopefully. Town can get a few shots. I know Tom Tom Ince leads the shooting charts. I think without town, scoring, without scoring. But you know, if he can hit the target, who knows what's going to happen with with the back four that they've got in front of those keepers. Liverpool's a big occasion for the Ince family as well, obviously. Mm. Um, yeah, the goalkeeper one's not one I really thought of. It's a strange one because uh, we'd had you know it's been good and bad with uh, Lossell. Yeah, so. It, it's a far more extreme version of town. I mean, he appears to have his head back on now after the Manchester United game. There's nothing really he could have done about the, the goal they scored and he made some fantastic late saves and was as strong as he could be in the air. There were a couple of dodgy ones where they came out of his hands, but that was more to do with congested areas and things. Yeah. I don't think Liverpool are going to be that sort of way in the air because they don't have a Lukaku tap forward. Either, yeah. No, um, But it is an interesting one. Who do, who do you think will get the nod? In goal. I think Mignolet will probably get the nod. Um, that doesn't mean that I agree with that decision. Personally, I think they should give Danny Ward a, a go because you know I think they've stuck by the, those two keepers. I think the Liverpool fans actually want to see Danny Ward play, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think Liverpool have stuck by the two keepers that they've got too too long now and they've not shown enough improvement to be, uh, to be first-choice goalkeepers at, at a club with the money and the stature of Liverpool. What would be your score prediction? I'm going 2-2 this, this week. I think it's one of those ones where Liverpool could score 12. Like They can score loads of goals against anyone on their day, but yeah. if Town can defend like I know Town can defend, and Liverpool are definitely going to be there to be got out going forward, you know, I, I think 2-2. I think I, I, I've i said score drawer as well. I'm not sure what it'll be because, as I say, I do have a sneaking suspicion it might be a daft affair, 4-4 uh, or something like that. Um, but we'll we'll see, really. It's, I agree with you. It's probably one of the most intriguing games of the season because there are so many different factors and narratives yeah. and it's coming at such a, an important time of the season and everything, and especially with the, the surrounding fixtures, to give it context. Both teams had a week off as well, no Carabao Cup for either of them. So they'll have been concentrating on this one and we know both managers are going to be double training and running through them on the paddock. So it's, it's you know, as poised as possible. Yeah. Um, we'll come back and we'll speak about the result on Monday. Not not Monday, Tuesday. I'm not in the office on Monday, so the next podcast will be on Tuesday. Yeah. God. And uh, Beer 52 as well. I forgot to mention this last time. First time I've ever forgotten. It's a disgrace. You're actually getting new beers, aren't you? I've just got them, yeah. How are they? Nine or ten beers from uh, from Kentucky. They're quite nice. Aged in uh, uh, bourbon barrels. Uh-huh. I thought you were so going to say chicken nice. then. Aged in chicken. Yeah, Kentucky fried chicken. Oh. Have no. you had that weird uh, chicken, double chicken sandwich thing that they've got? Oh, the double stack or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. It, it looks like an absolute abomination, but there's a real part of me that... <laughs> Is tempted. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, 
52 pay for £5.95 postage yep. and then uh, you don't have to pay for the crate itself. Code's Huddersfield. Code is Huddersfield, thank you very much for that. Uh, and I will speak to you on Tuesday. Yeah, see you then. Wie had dat gedacht? Van shoppen in Milaan naar achter de koopjes aan. <laughs> Gelukkig heeft Telford Smart Packers. Niet het laatste model telefoon, maar wel de beste prijs. <laughs> dat is toch genieten? Geniet ook zonder te veel te betalen met Telford Smart Packers. Zoals de Samsung Galaxy S7 met 1 gig en 150 minuten. Nu voor maar 26,50 euro per maand. Doe hier voordeel mee, Telford. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.